Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. Record-breaking day on Text Talk. Another record-breaking yeah, day. Yeah, it's just amazing. This is the first time in the history of the world that uh, Text Talk has done a 794th episode. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I think these records are just going to keep getting broken. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. If the Lord wills. That's right. That's right. And I don't mean that flippantly. I actually do mean that very seriously. But we're glad to get started today. So what are you going to read for us today? Yeah, so I've got here Psalm 79, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Psalm 79. A Psalm of Asaph. O God, pagan nations have conquered your land, your special possession. They have defiled your holy temple and made Jerusalem a heap of ruins. They have left the bodies of your servants as food for the birds of heaven. The flesh of your godly ones has become food for the wild animals. Blood has flowed like water all around Jerusalem. No one is left to bury the dead. We are mocked by our neighbors, an object of scorn and derision to those around us. O Lord, how long will you be angry with us? Forever? How long will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you, on kingdoms that do not call upon your name, for they have devoured your people Israel, making the land a desolate wilderness. Do not hold us guilty for the sins of our ancestors. Let your compassion quickly meet our needs, for we are on the brink of despair. Help us, O God, of our salvation. Help us for the glory of your name. Save us and forgive our sins for the honor of your name. Why should pagan nations be allowed to scoff, asking, Where is their God? Show us your vengeance against the nations, for they have spilled the blood of your servants. Listen to the moaning of the prisoners. Demonstrate your great power by saving those condemned to die. O Lord, pay back our neighbors seven times for the scorn they have hurled at you. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and ever, praising your greatness from generation to generation. I love the way this psalm ends. I mean, I love to get, we yeah. talked, we talked what, Monday about how it began. I, I love the way this psalm begins as it makes it about God, not about us. But I love the way this psalm ends because there's a really interesting parallel that happens in the last three verses. Yeah. There, as, as we have um, three. Well, I guess the first group and the third group are actually the same group of people, but it's, it's, a, it's a presentation of three different groups of people and three different ways that they speak. And okay. I think it's just a, a really powerful picture to dig into and to recognize. So, so, so do you mind just three, three groups of people? Yeah. You so do, do you mind just reading 11 through 13 again yeah, no, so that we can dig into that? I'm going to do this from the New Living again. Yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and read it from yeah, that. Okay. That's fine. Listen to the moaning of the prisoners. Demonstrate your great power by saving those condemned to die. O Lord, pay back our neighbors seven times for the scorn they have hurled at you. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and ever, praising your greatness from generation to generation. So there's there's three groups of people here. There's the prisoners in verse 11. There's the the 
pagan nations, the neighbors, the, the neighbors. people around. All right. And then in verse 13, there's the sheep of your pasture, your people, the sheep of your pasture. There's three different groups. And those three different groups of people talk in three different ways. In verse 11, now there in the NLT, the prisoners were moaning. Yes. Here in the ESV, it's they're groaning. Okay. Okay. In verse 12, the neighbors, the pagan nations are Taunting. Taunting. They're scorning. Mocking, scorning. Here. Yeah. Scorning. And then in verse 13, your people, the sheep of your pasture, are giving thanks and they are praising, praising. from generation to generation. Yeah. So so right here at the end, there's this these layers, these this progression from person to person to person with their different speech, 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 and God's reaction to that. Yeah. And and how and, and what we see there. I, I just think that's pretty fascinating. I thought it might be good to just walk through each of the three and learn a few things yeah, from that. I think that's a really good way. A good approach. So you want to start with the prisoners? Yeah. So let the groan so I'm this is the ESV. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you. So let me just let me just throw out to you. Let me just oh were you gonna say well, something? I, I was just gonna say I my, my take with the prisoners would be some of these um, uh, Jews who are still under judgment. Yes. Right? They're, they're in the captivity of Babylon. Yes. And so they are imprisoned and being removed from their land. They are they are groaning. Yeah. Yeah. And so this would be their, their sadness. Like I, I mentioned, the New King James put a heading on this of a dirge. Mm. They are the ones, their groans would be even perhaps some of the words of this lament and this yeah. confession. Yes. So let me ask you this. And, and you know, I know you... <laughs> You and I don't always think the same things, so. Um, but but in my mind here, when I when I heard the groaning of the prisoners, the groans of people coming up to God yeah. and God hearing those things and responding to those things, is there anything else in Israel's history that 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 triggers for you that reminds you of? For me, it triggers the the Exodus language of being in the bondage of okay. Pharaoh and and the Egyptian torment and the early chapters of Exodus. Yeah. You Absolutely. Know, when they keep in, keep increasing the burdens upon the people and the taskmasters and the groanings went up to God. Yeah, it, and it specifically says that. Now, I, I will tell you that the word for groans very similar to this word, but actually it's a different word. So I, you know, I don't want to make like some claim that oh, he's he's actually quoting Exodus because I don't know that he is. Well, but it's about, the same picture. What a, what about moaning? Because <laughs> one of them said groaning, yeah, and another yeah. said moaning. I, I'm actually going yeah, back to the Hebrew word. The Hebrew. It's, it's the Hebrew. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, there you go. Okay. There you go. Bingo. <laughs> Edwin and Andrew mentioned the original languages. That's B3. <laughs> so, anyway, um, which which anytime we do that, we are actually going above our pay grade. But, oh, he mentioned his pay grade. That's N4. <laughs> so anyway, but, but the point... And this is one of those places, you know what, since we talked about that, one of the mistakes that we make Mm -hmm. is thinking that every time we see the same word in the original language, you know, we we get out our concordance and we go on Logos and we search for that word. Every time we see the same word, it's talking about the same thing. That's not true. Correct. But the other mistake we make is just because it's different words, thinking it's talking about different things. Something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. There are synonyms in all languages. all languages. That's a good thing to remember. And I think this is one of those places where I get it. It's not the same word. But it is the same picture, the same picture that you had in Exodus chapter two, when the groans of God's people mm-hmm. come up before him and it, and it brings to mind the covenant. And when it talks about him remembering his covenant, it's not him saying, oh man, I forgot. Oh, I guess I should do something about that. It's really just the idea of, of God has brought it to the forefront. We, we've got this 
again, remembering not in the sense of I had forgotten, but remembering in the sense of, okay, now it's time to do something about this brought to mind, brought to the forefront of the mind. And, you know, yesterday we talked about our psalmist learning from the ancient prayers. What we've got here going on is learning from the ancient events. When, when the people groaned in Exodus chapter two, what did God do? Mm-hmm. He delivered them. He did. And, you know, two psalms ago, we even called that God leading them like the sheep of his flock. Right. Okay, in Psalm yeah. 77. All right, so we've got these guys who groan, and that brings us back to Exodus 2 and Exodus 6. Then we've got in verse 12 the 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 neighbors, the pagan nations that yeah. are taunting, they're mocking, they're scorning, they're reviling. Here's what I found really cool about this. Look back in verse 4. What does it say in verse 4 of Psalm 79? We are mocked by our neighbors, an object of scorn and derision to those around us. So in verse 4, here's here's maybe kind of the exception that proves the rule to everything we've said in this psalm about how it's about you, God. It's about you, God. But in verse 4, it's we are mocked. Mm. However, when you get to verse 12, read that again. Verse 12, O Lord, pay back our neighbors seven times for the scorn they have hurled at you. So when you're mocking God's people, who are you actually mocking? You're mocking God. Yeah. He says they have mocked you. So so that's mm-hmm. the that's the taunting. When God's people are being taunted, I think we should think about that today. There are a lot of people that are taunting God's people. Yes. God's people are backwards. God's people are ignorant. God's yeah, people bigots. are... Yes. All, hater. All those things that they say, please understand that what they are actually doing is mocking God. I love that. And it makes a New Testament connection for me. When the Lord appears to Saul of Tarsus, he said, why are you persecuting me? Well, the Lord has ascended to heaven at this point. Yes. Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the church, God's people. And as much as he did it to that church, he was doing it to Christ, to Jesus, the covenant people today. And if I can just make a brief little side trip, I imagine for some people, the prayer that they would sevenfold, pay them back sevenfold. Boy, that sure sounds like he's not asking them to... to to give them what they deserve, but give them seven times what they deserve. I mean, I get it. This taunting you've done is worth this kind of punishment, but God, don't just do that. Do it seven times more than that. Seems like it's a little bit odd. I want to say two things about that. One, let's go back to the law and what God said to Israel, because in Leviticus chapter 26, he talks about that if Israel disobeys and does not follow God. Here in Leviticus chapter 26, four times, this is what he says to them. He says, look, if in spite of this, this is Leviticus 26, 18, if in spite of this, you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. And he actually says that to Israel again, four times in this chapter, in verse 21, in verse 24, and verse 28. So first of all, Israel, when they are praying this, is actually saying, this is what you said you would do to us. Right. Do the same to them. Okay, mm. we've we've now experienced the sevenfold punishment. This is what sevenfold looks like. Now, now, now these folks who don't call on you, who aren't your people, who aren't repenting, let them experience it as well. It really should be them, not us, because we're your people. I really appreciate you making that connection because... Yeah. So if this is what sevenfold looks like, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the first few verses of this psalm, they're devastated. Yes. Now, the second thing that I want to bring out about that is I think we need to understand sevenfold as not the literal seven times what they deserve, but as that numeric figuratism. Sure. That when the number seven had the idea of fullness and completeness, because Mm -hmm. how how does the Bible begin? 
Mm-hmm. Seven days of creation. Yeah. And our calendars and our weeks have yeah. been based on that ever since because here's the full week. It is seven days mm-hmm. as you have the six days of work and then the day of rest. And so sevenfold, when we take it literally, sounds like you're saying give them seven times more than what they deserve. But actually, sevenfold is the idea of give the full measure, give the complete, give give what they deserve. And I know that sounds odd. Yeah. I know that sounds odd to us. If we take the number literally, it's like this doesn't seem right at all. But when we understand the idiom behind yeah. the sevenfold, I think that's what we're seeing here. It's actually... Well, you know what Jesus says when he talks about don't judge lest you be judged, because with the same judgment you judge, it'll come back to you. And with the measure you measure, it'll be poured into your lap. No, I, you? that's right. I, P, P, Peter asks, you know, how often should I forgive? Seven times? Yeah, 70 yeah, times. 70 seven. times seven. Yeah, and that's Let's the idea of completeness. Fully, yeah, totally. And so as odd as it sounds... Again, literally, it sounds like you're saying give them seven times more than they deserve when actually what's meant is give them the full measure. Give them exactly what they they deserve, the complete. Okay, so that's what happens with the taunts. But then we move into 7913, and now we have your people, the sheep of your pasture, which— I get it. That's actually the same people who are groaning as prisoners. Yeah, they'd be the 11. prisoners. They're the ones who are humbled in the in the beginning, and some of them were dead and left out in the field. Yes. Yeah. But now that God has given the full measure of judgment on the people who have judged them, who have gone beyond what God wanted them to do in punishing them, uh, what we have now is we are the sheep of your pasture. And we're back to that theme that we've had now for three psalms. through these psalms, yeah. yeah. So we've got... You, you led as a, as a shepherd through Moses and Aaron. You led all the way up to David as a shepherd. But now that the, the temple of David and Mount, of Solomon, of David's family, the, now that that's been destroyed, Jerusalem has mm-hmm. been laid waste, we're asking you to keep shepherding us, yeah. to be our shepherd. Because honestly, it wasn't Moses and Aaron who were the shepherds. It wasn't David who was the shepherd. God, you're the shepherd. And we know you're still the shepherd. And as you like to point out, Andrew, over and over again, when you ask, wait, so the temple has gone, but God's still in control? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the pasture has been laid waste, but God is still the shepherd? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And what do these people do? They're going to be praising. Yeah. Praising the greatness, actually, from generation to generation. Which gets us back and to Psalm, Psalm 78. Yeah, let's go back to Psalm 78. <laughs> now, look, let's just be honest. It's not predictive prophecy. Okay? The, the ending of this psalm is not telling us what Israel's actually going to pull off, because they don't. But it is calling them to do that. It is t- this is what's supposed to happen. Right. God has delivered, and and we should be praising Him from generation to generation, which is us too. Yeah, from generation Absolutely. to generation, passing that on for for God to be praised. Well, we're we're beyond time again today. So let's go ahead and wrap up with a little bit of praise. Holy God, you are our shepherd. You have shepherded the sheep and flock of your pasture from the very beginning. And yes, sometimes we go through the deep, dark valley where we can hardly see it all, but your rod and your staff comforts us. And Father, what you have done is taken us from the pasture and will bring us to your palace. And we know that our cup will overflow, that you set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And they look on with longing because they do not get to be involved in that feast. Lord, I will say, and I know what you want. I pray that as we are marching to that wedding feast, that our enemies will come to repentance. 
we know that you don't want them to die for their sins. We know that you want them to repent so that they also can be set free from their captivity to Satan and to sin. We pray that they will do that so that in eternity we can all be together with you celebrating, worshiping, praising, doing whatever work it is that you have for us in eternity by your power and strength. We pray that we can spread the borders of your kingdom even now so that that eternity can be grander and there will be more giving praise to your name. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.